Hi, everybody, and welcome to Coach's Corner. Thank you to all of you who have been leaving ratings and reviews of the show and entered to win a free 30-minute private coaching session with me. I will be announcing the recipient of that next week, and we'll probably do another contest like this a little bit, little bit later in the year. And I sat down and read a lot of the most recent reviews, and I am just so, so deeply touched and grateful. Your words just were so kind and I'm so glad that I and this community really support you in just living a life full of more love, acceptance, and peace. This is an incredible community, and I'm so grateful for each and every one of you. I am thrilled to bring you today's episode. Interviewing Richard Schwartz was such an honor for me, and he actually takes me through a little process. Who is Richard Schwartz? Well, he is the founder of something called Internal Family Systems, which we'll explain in the episode. And this is a modality that I have used for years with myself and with my clients. It's something that we teach in the Elementum Coaching Institute as well. And PS, early bird enrollment is open for Elementum. Just go to Elementum Coaching Institute. Institute.com. We've sold out in two weeks last year. So if you are a coach or an aspiring coach and you want to be trained by me, my husband, Alexi Panos and Preston Smiles, who are just two epic coaches as well, and just have a very robust training. So you really feel equipped to handle anything anyone brings to you then I strongly encourage you to apply. It's been an amazing first year and next year's only going to get better. So let me tell you about Richard Schwartz, who's a PhD and the founder of Internal Family Systems. He began his career as a systemic family therapist and academic. Grounded in systems thinking, Dr. Schwartz developed Internal Family Systems, also called IFS, in response to clients' descriptions of various parts within themselves. He focused on the relationships among these parts and noticed that there were systematic patterns to the way they were organized across clients. He also found that when clients' parts felt safe and were allowed to relax, the client would experience spontaneously the qualities of confidence, openness, and compassion that Dr. Schwartz came to call the self. He found that when in a state of self, clients would know how to heal their parts. He's a featured speaker on many national professional organizations. He's published many books and 50 articles about IFS. I encourage you to visit the IFS website, it's ifs-institute.com. You can watch some videos from Richard. You can learn more about him and just really dive into this work. If you've ever said, there's a part of me who feels this way and there's a part of me who feels this way, or there's a part of me that really wants to start my own business, but then there's a part of me that's scared, you're going to love this episode and really get to understand your parts. Before we dive in, do you have your Organifi products? You've heard me talk about Organifi before. They're one of my favorite superfood nutrition companies because everything they have is organic. Everything is really dedicated to your health and well-being. We have some travel coming up, so I definitely will be taking their immunity packs on the plane with me. It's packed with vitamin C and other immune boosting ingredients. It tastes delicious, not too sweet, not too sour, just right. I sound like Goldilocks. Anyway, immune 
Immunity is just one of their amazing products. I love their green juice, their red juice, their gold. You can get 20% off of all your Organifi purchases when you go to Organifi, O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com slash over it. That's Organifi.com slash over it for 20% off all of your yummy, nutritious products. And now on to my interview with Dr. Richard Schwartz. Richard, welcome to the show. I am so honored that you're here. Thank you for joining me. Thank you, Christine. And uh, I'm honored that you're interested in all this. Oh, beyond interested. I love internal family systems. I love your work. I think that you are such a, a pioneer and have brought forward such an incredible body of work. And And I know what it is, uh, but I'm not sure that all of my listeners really know who you are and know what IFS is. So could, could we start there? Do you mind just talking a little bit about your background and how you came to discover internal family systems? Yeah. So I'm trained as a family therapist. I have a PhD in that, actually. And I was one of those obnoxious family therapists that thought we'd found the Holy Grail <laughs> and and want to prove that. I did an outcome study in about 1980. So I'm I'm old and this has been around a long time and found that the clients I was working with, which were eating disorder clients, just weren't really changing despite how much I I really wanted them to from straight family therapy. And out of frustration, I started asking why, and they started talking about these different parts. That's the word they used. They would talk about how when something bad happened, this critic would attack them, and then that would bring up another part that could make them feel worthless and empty and alone. And that was so distressing that the binge would come in to take them away from all that. But the act of the binge would bring the critic back, and that would bring up that empty and alone one. And so they talked about being in a kind of vicious cycle all day. And at first I was alarmed because it seemed maybe these people were sicker than I thought. And then I started listening inside myself and, oh, my God, I've got them too. Mm. And so th- then I became just intrigued with the phenomena of what we're going to call parts. Other so systems call them other things. But, you know, 40 years later, thousands of clients later, it's pretty safe to say that uh, everybody has what I call parts. Other systems call subpersonality. That, and that it's a good thing to, to have them because they're these inner beings that are having conversations about our well-being and they're trying to help us. And they have a lot of valuable qualities to lend to us. So from my perspective, it's the nature of the mind to have these parts. But trauma and what are called attachment injuries, which is basically bad parenting, force them out of their naturally valuable states into roles that can be damaging and make them sort of frozen in time. Mm. So when you were a child and something bad happened to you, there's a part of you that got stuck in that moment and still lives back there probably, unless you've gotten it out of there, and also still carries what I call the burdens from that experience. So those would be extreme beliefs or emotions that came into you from that experience. And these burdens now form a kind of operating system that drives the way the part operates, almost like a virus, like the coronavirus. Mm. And so we all have parts that that are stuck in 
difficult places in our lives and still operate as if they need to protect us in the way they needed to protect us back then. And so that anachronistic aspect of this can make them stay extreme and interfere in our lives. So that's one aspect that I discovered just from mm. trial and error. Mm. Mm. And then as I was, as a family therapist, I was trying to to have my client get to know the parts and help them change, just like I would if I was doing a family session. So I would have these di client dialogue with these parts inside, and that was that would go well sometimes, but other times my client would be furious with a part, for example. But it reminded me of family sessions where I'm having two people talk to each other and a third person is interfering and, and, and screwing it up. And as family therapists, we learned to get that third person to step out. So I began asking if there was a part that was angry at, the say, the critic that I was trying to help my client get to know. And could it step out? Could it just relax so that my client could get to know this critic better? And when clients were able to do that, they would shift entirely and quickly into a state in which they would relate to the critic or whatever part they were trying to relate to with different qualities like pure curiosity and calm and compassion and confidence. And so when I tried that with other clients, it was like the same person would pop out and would sort of know how to relate to these parts in a healing way. Mm. And now again, 30, 40 years later, and thousands of people doing this all over the world, we can safely say that uh, just beneath the surface of these parts, such that when they open space, there is another person that I call the self with a capital S. Yes. Because when I would ask clients, what part of you is that? They'd say, that's not a part like these others. That's really me or that's myself. So that that self is in everybody, is released when the parts open space can't be damaged, and knows how to heal. Knows mm. how to heal both in the inner world, but also in relationships, in the, in the outside world. Mm. And that was amazing. And that, it remains amazing to this day. Yeah, well, one thing I like about the self and the way you teach it is you say, no matter how much trauma we've had, no matter what has happened in our life, we all have the self. This part of us that can be compassionate, can be can, can be curious, can be loving, that feels like the the truest part of us. Correct. That is correct. Yeah, and I've had debates with you know big time neuroscientist types about how that can't be possible. One in particular, Bessel van der Kolk. You might have heard his mm -hmm. name. He and I have debated many times. Because say no. He'll hold up a scan of somebody's brain who's has a big trauma history, and I'll show how the prefrontal cortex is basically offline. And he'll say, this is what we're dealing with. These people have to relearn everything that they didn't get when they were kids. I said, no, that's when a part takes over. But if you get that part to stop back, that would light up. Right. And he kept saying, prove it. We're still trying to get money to try and prove that. But I, I just, I'm totally convinced I can prove that. Yeah. Well, I, I bet you can too. I just, and to get kind of spiritual for a moment, I just don't think we as humans would be put on earth and operate 
with without this self. You know, it just seems like we wouldn't be sustainable as a species to survive everything we had, have survived if we didn't have this self. And, you know, I have a um, master's degree in spiritual psychology and one of the tenets, the principles that we learn there is every client, like all people have the inner resources they need to be able to heal. And when I that's learned right. about the self, I was like, that that's it. You know, that self part that is, is the aspect that helps us heal no matter what. And so I think it's important for everyone listening, no matter what has happened in your life, you, you do have access to this part. It just might be really muted by protector parts and manager parts and firefighters, which we'll, we'll talk about in a moment. So I want to unpack a little bit of what you said so people really, really get it. First, you're saying that we're naturally multiple. We have these, these parts, but that doesn't mean we're multiple personalities. Those are two very different things. Well, different and, and not so different mm. in the sense that people with that diagnosis, their parts are the same, really, as ours. It's just that their system got really blown apart by the horrific trauma they suffered as children. So that there are these what are called amnesic barriers between the parts. They can't really communicate very well with each other. And when one takes over, the others take off. And mm. so it's a much more polarized kind of system. But, you know, it's one end of a spectrum of what we all are. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So it is, it's a yes and no that it's they're different from us. Like the, the thing that helped me understand the distinction is in multiple personalities, like the parts really aren't aware of the other parts. The personalities aren't aware of the other personalities. But in, in parts work, like I, I can be aware of my inner critic part and I can be aware of my worry ward. I can be aware of certain protectors. But if I had actual multiple personality diagnosis, that would be more difficult. Isn't, isn't that true? That's, part, that's partly true. I mean, sometimes they're aware of each other, mm. but they're just, uh, they don't trust each other and they, mm. they're sort of ongoing. It's like a very dysfunctional family because of the trauma they've suffered yeah. as, as compared to other families that, you know, generally get along. So that's the main distinction. Thank you for explaining that. That makes a lot of sense. I want to go back to what you were talking about in terms of these parts and how they form. Maybe you can give an example. Let's say a child was abused, you know, maybe just verbally was told by his parents he wasn't enough, um, he wasn't smart enough, he wasn't as good as his big brother. What are some things that could happen to that child and what are some parts that could form as a result of that? Yeah, so... So the parts are there, they, you're born with them, but they take in some of those messages from those experiences. So they're, they're young, what are called inner ch children, that are, are often the most sensitive parts of us and the most vulnerable. And for those parts, that message of you're not valuable, and they not only become scared, but they take in this, what I call burden, of worthlessness and unlovability. And that's the way they stay. They just stay in that state, uh, feeling that way. And because it's very hard for us to function in the world when we feel all that, most of us tend to lock them away inside, in, in an inner basement or abyss or cave or something like that. And so I call them the exiles. And then also, because we've got to keep them contained, those exiles, we have other parts that take the voice of the parent 
that gave you that message. And they become these inner critics that sort of repeat it to you all the time. So you won't take risks and get hurt again. Often, that's the reason. Yeah, so a child who gets that message, generally it's those two parts that become very dominant. And then when you have an exile that's, that's kind of constantly hurting, there are times where it'll get triggered in the world. You know, something similar might happen to you in your adult life. And it threatens the system because it's like that exile is going to burst out of exile and overwhelm you with all those feelings. And so most of us have another part or other parts who have to immediately go into action to take us away from those feelings that are so scary. And so we call those firefighters because they're fighting the flames of the exile's emotion. And they tend to do it in a more impulsive way. Like, uh, you know, could be binging on some substance or dissociating you somehow or distracting you until it burns itself out. So, yeah, just what, you know, that incident could create that kind of a system inside of people. And that's what we work with all the time. How do you work with it? Like when you see that and you see the protector part and you see the exile and you see the firefighter, how do you work with it so that these parts aren't running the show so much? Yeah, well, if I was working with you, Christine, mm -hmm. I would generally would start with that, that critic and I would have you focus on, do you want to do a piece of work? <laughs> sure. That'd be great. All right. Do you have a critic? Do I have a critic? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. The critic came up right away and said, I don't know. Do you want to be that vulnerable? But if you get it wrong, it was it was there right away. So, yeah, definitely okay. have a critic. Mm -hmm. Critic. Uh, I would I, say critic and my worry wart are my two, two of my most primary protective parts. All right, well, let's start with that critic then and okay. go ahead and fi find it in your body or around your body. Mm -hmm. Where do you find it? I find it a little outside and above me, kind of looking down at me. Okay, and as you notice it there, how do you feel toward it? The first initial feeling was a little anxious, a little timid, and a little annoyed. Uh -huh. So all those reactions make sense, but we're going to ask the one who's annoyed and the one who feels uh, intimidated to maybe go into a kind of waiting room in there until we are done so that we can just get to know this critic and maybe help it lighten up some. Okay, I can do that. So how do you feel toward it now? Mm, a little more neutral. Are you open to getting to know it though? Yes, yes. All right, so just ask what it wants you to know about itself. And don't think of the answer. Just wait and see what comes to you. It's trying to help. Okay. And how do you feel toward it as you hear that? Curious. Yeah. So ask it how it thinks criticizing you is helping. What's, what's its intention? It keeps me from failing. Um, it keeps me from... Yeah, the word like losing momentum came up. It protects me from other people criticizing me. Like if I'm hard on myself, uh -huh. then I beat I beat other people to it. Uh -huh. It said it keeps me being Christine, like maybe the persona <laughs> of who I think I need to be. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. 
Okay, well, it's very multi-purpose. So as you hear all that, how do you feel toward it? Well, more understanding. I see how big its job is. Yeah, yeah. Let it know. You get that it's got a really big job. And, you know, actually, it must be pretty tired. Ask if that's true. Yes. Okay. All right. So ask exactly what it's afraid would happen if it didn't do this all the time. Ooh, I just felt a sense of panic in my body. Um, it says I get lazy. Okay. And is it true? Is there a part of you that would get lazy? I think there's a part of me that would feel relieved for the break. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. might want to rest a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But ask it more. And so suppose that you did stop being driven so hard. I guess that's what it's talking about, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What would be bad about that? What's its fear about that if you stop driving your, if it stopped driving you this hard? That I, I'd fall behind. I'd, I'd be forgotten. I'd, oh. yeah, mess Let's up. stay with that for a second. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you'd be forgotten. Mm-hmm. And forgotten by whom? Who? Who is it important that remember you? Just ask it that. Mm. It just said everyone, which is a big responsibility, but that's what it said. <laughs> okay, so, but it... it it really wants you to be seen, I guess, and yeah. known. Yeah, yeah. And it's really afraid you would kind of fall by the wayside and no one would know you. Yeah, yeah, and feel kind of invisible. Yeah. Is this making sense to you, Christine? Mm-hmm, big time. All right, so let it know. You you can understand that fear. I can totally understand that fear, yeah. And now see if you can extend some appreciation to it for working so hard to try and keep that from happening and just see how it reacts to your appreciation. It's it's actually coming down to my level instead of like being above me. Oh, good. So you, do you see it? You have an image for it? Mm Mm-hmm. What's the image? Well, it's shifting. It was, it looked like this, like imagine like a really hard female, like soccer coach or baseball coach or, you know, just really like, you know, mean and hard. And it's now, it's actually starting to look a little more feminine, a little more nurturing. Good, good. So ask it this question. If you could go to the part that needs to be seen so much and heal it, so that wasn't such a drive. There wasn't such a need for that. Would this part have to work so hard? No. Okay. And uh, would it give us permission to go to that part and heal it? Yes. Okay, Christine. So we have an option now. We could do that, but... I also want to be sure you're okay being that vulnerable. Yes, I'm I'm fine with that. Okay, but just check it for a second and make sure all parts are on board with this. Is there any fear about it? There's some nervousness, but I don't feel fear. Okay. All right, then focus on that part that uh, I guess feels unseen or will 
Invisible, would yeah. feel invisible, but mm-hmm. feel so bad if you didn't have this drive. If you weren't, you know, focused that way all the time. Mm-hmm. Can you find that in that mm-hmm. one in your body or around your body? Where do you find it? In my stomach. And how do you feel toward this part? I, I first wanted to say compassionate, but I think a more accurate thing would be I feel sorry for it. Okay. Feel sympathy. So let it know. Yeah, so let it know you feel sorry for it mm-hmm. and want to help it and see what it wants you to know about itself. And again, just ask the question toward that place in your stomach and wait for an answer. Don't think of the answer. It's just saying I feel really alone. And how do you feel toward it as you hear that? Now a little more empathetic. Good. So let it know that. Mm. And do you have an image for this one too? I just see me younger, like tween age. Yeah. And how close are you to that tween girl? I'm pretty close. Tween age girl. Yeah. Like just a few feet or what would you say? Yeah, just a few feet. Okay. Yeah, so just from that closeness, see if you can just let her know you care about her and you're there. She's not alone right now. And just see how she reacts. She's She was looking down. She's starting to look up now. Good. So we're just going to stay with her this in this compassionate way until she really trusts this, that you're with her mm-hmm. and you care. So whatever feels right, just go ahead and do that to help her trust you more. Okay. Does she seem to trust that you care about her? Yeah. All right, Christine. So ask her to show you what happened to her in the past that made her feel this way. And you don't have to share what you get if you don't want to. Okay. But just whatever comes, don't try to think. Just wait and see if it doesn't even have to be, you know, memories. It could just be sensations. Whatever comes, just stay with it. Yeah, no, it's pretty clear what she's showing me. And it makes sense, too. Good. Yeah. Yeah. So let her know you get that. Okay. And ask if that is everything she wants you to get about it or if there's anything more. Yeah, there is one more thing she just told me. Okay. That's it, she says. Okay. All right, Christine, so now I want you to go to her in that time period and be with her in the way she needed somebody at the time. Mm. And just tell me when you're there with her. Yeah, I'm I'm actually at school with her. Great. Mm-hmm. And see if there's anything she wants you to do for her back there or with her. Yeah, she I'll share this. She really wants me to teach her how to speak up for herself. Uh-huh. How to trust herself. Uh-huh. <laughs> she said how to not take people's crap. That's right. Yeah. So go ahead and do that. Yeah, teach her that. 
and maybe be with her when she stands up to people back there. Mm. Yeah, she really wants me to help her see other people aren't better than her. You're good. Mm-hmm. So, so do whatever whatever feels right to help her with that. Yeah, she's starting to feel way more confident. It's great. Yeah. Like she's actually excited to go. To leave that time and place? Yeah. <laughs> well, one, to, to speak up for herself, but also huh? to, yeah, to... She, she, when you said that, she's like, wait, I can leave. <laughs> I can, <laughs> I can be done with this. <laughs> that Absolutely. sounds good. Yeah. yeah. All right. So just ask where she'd like to go with you. It could be in the present to your house, or it could be a fantasy place, wherever she wants to be. No, she's, she likes my life now. She'd love to join me here. So tell me when she's there with you. Yep. She's here. All right, and tell her she never has to go back there, and you're going to be mm-hmm. taking care of her now. I'll say that out loud. Yeah. So you never have to go back there. You never have to go back to that time, to any of that. And I'm going to be taking care of you now. And ask, given those things, if she's willing now to unload the feelings and beliefs she got back there. Yes, she's excited to. And where does she carry that? In her body or on her body? Yeah, it's like a big... She had a backpack on her back and in her front. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And what does she want to give that to? Light, water, fire, wind, fire. Earth, anything else? All right, so set up a fire for her and tell her to put that pack in the fire and anything else that doesn't belong to her. Just out of her body, off her body, into the fire. Okay. She did that? Oh, she was happy to. She couldn't wait to get it off. Okay, good. So how's she doing without all that? She's like jumping up and down. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. And tell her if she'd like to now, she can invite qualities she'd like to have to come into her body. Mm. And you just, just see what comes in now. She'd really like confidence. Um, self-trust, peace. Great. Yeah. How does she seem now? So much better, like way more calm, but also lighter, like calm, but more energy. You know, she felt really heavy before. That's great. So now let's bring in that critic to see that it doesn't need to protect her anymore and just see how it reacts. Mm. It's a little surprised. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Surprised in a good way or disturbed? No, a good way. Okay. Yeah. So ask if now it could rest or if it could do something else. What what does it want to do now? Definitely wants to do something else. Doesn't doesn't really want to rest. (laughs) Okay. What would it like to do instead? It said, I want to learn to be a good coach. Okay. Mm -hmm. So it can become a kind of good coach inside of you. Mm -hmm. 
How does that sound, Christine? That sounds good. Now, you're a good coach, right? Would it be willing to learn from you? Yes. Okay. <laughs> okay. So let it know you're going to help it with that. Okay. Okay. So how's that all feel now? Feels good. It feels, yeah, I keep saying lighter. Like it just feels lighter and, and like, and, like a big argument has just been resolved inside That's of me. Great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So hmm. I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate your being such a good sport and doing this because hmm. it was, it was a perfect illustration of IFS and, uh, it's much better than me just talking about it. Oh, well, I, I appreciate you so much you taking me through that. Um, can you kind of explain to everyone, you know, what you did and how that, how that worked? Yeah. So I, again, uh, we started with this critic. I just asked you what you wanted to work on. You had a, I think a worried part and then the critic. And we, mm -hmm. I like to start with these critics because they usually are controlling everything anyway. So it's good to start at the top. And mainly I helped you get curious about it by getting the parts that were intimidated or didn't like it to step back. And in exploring, asking it what it was about, we learned how, how much it's trying to protect you by getting you to be seen all the time. And when asking about what it was afraid would happen if it, if it didn't do that, it brought up this, what I call an exile, which is a young part of you that, uh, for whatever reason, it sounds like when you were a tweener, didn't feel seen at all. Mm -hmm. And so then we got permission from it to go to that exile. And the healing steps, when you work with an exile, first are to form a connection with it, which you did very quickly, like it trusted you pretty quickly. And then to learn about where it's stuck in the past and what was happening and how bad that was for it. And that actually the part was happy to show you. And we didn't know the details, which is good because it's, you know, you don't need to share the details. It's for you to get it. And pretty quickly, the part felt witnessed by you. And then the next step is to what I call the retrieval, where you, go, you went in to that scene in school and we're with that that girl and the way she needed somebody. And what she needed was for you to show her how to deal with people, how to stand up to these. Mm -hmm. Maybe they were bullies. I don't know. Mm -hmm. And and then I had you take her to your house out of that time so she was safe. And once she got that, she was ready to what we call unburden, which involved releasing the emotions and beliefs she got back there that she'd been carrying all these years and were driving you <laughs> to, to work so hard or to driving this critic to be so hard on you. Mm -hmm. And so she unburdened all that stuff. And then we had her invite qualities into her body. And all of that constitutes the healing of an exile. Mm. So you and actually you did a big piece of work in a short period of time. Mm. Mm. So then, powerful. Once that exile is feeling good, we bring in the protector to see that it doesn't have to keep protecting this little girl. And the critic 
was happy to see that, surprised. And then now we're, the critic is willing to do almost the opposite of what it had been. Yeah. Yeah. So it's going to be a good coach instead of being this harsh critic. Yeah. And that actually turns out to be pretty common that once released from their roles, these protectors often like to do the opposite of the role they've been in. So it's really not about getting rid of them. It's about helping them find a new job description. Exactly. Because they're good parts forced into negative roles. They're not negative emotions. Mm. And that's the big mistake our culture has made. Because many, many people would have you go to war against your critic and shut it up and fight with it or, or just ignore it. Yeah, don't listen to your critic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it's it's such bullshit. Yeah, I agree. And it just makes them crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then you, you know, then you have to do the spiritual bypass to, to drown it out. Yeah. That seems to be very popular in the personal development world. Yeah. yeah. And it doesn't, it's not, it's not true healing. And even I noticed too, with like firefighter parts, like people that may have an addiction, they hate that part of them so much. They hate the addiction. They just want it to go away. But what exactly. I've learned through your work is no, this, this firefighter part, like it thinks it's keeping you basically alive. It really, it's, it's protecting that exile that would just flood you with emotions. Like it's really serving a role. And that's what I love about IFS is that this isn't about getting rid of things. It's really about getting to know different parts of ourselves and really knowing their positive intention. Because like you said, all of these parts, protectors, firefighters, they have a positive intention. And if we totally. hate them, then it's it's like we, we're just going to be running in circles because we're trying to get rid of something that's protecting us. It's kind of like, oh, I'm just going to stop breathing and see how that works. <laughs> like it just, yeah, it doesn't work. Very well said. And, you know, it's not only getting to know their positive intention, but it's helping them transform just like we mm-hmm. did with that critic. So they no longer are doing what they used to do and they're doing something much more positive. Right. So, you right. know, We've been trying to throw the baby out with the bathwater all the time by by trying to get rid of the burdens they carry. We're we're also trying to get rid of the parts that carry them. And this is a way to unload the burdens and help them all transform. Mm, I love that. And, you know, another part that I see so often people want to get rid of is the part that, quote unquote, sabotages them. Like, yeah. And. And I've always been like, it's not really sabotaging you. Truly, it's it's a prote- it's protecting you. It's protecting you from something. Could exactly. You, could you speak to a little bit about, because I think that's a pretty common protector part is the saboteur. Yeah. Like what what's really going on there for anyone that thinks they need to like just be more motivated? Right. There's a variety of them, but most of the time they're also critics uh, or or they are you know, really trying to undermine you in different ways. And it's out of fear that if they let you shine, you know, the way this other part wants you to shine, that you're going to get hurt. Mm. And so they've got to keep you below the radar. They've got to keep you small. And they're going to sabotage any efforts until you've healed them, until you've gotten them out of their role and, and help them transform. So 
And the way you do that is just what the same thing you did with the critic. Just listen to it, learn about it, honor it for trying to protect, and then learn about what it's protecting and change that and free it up. Yeah. So, so this is different. You know, we're not going to these protectors expecting them to change just because we say they shouldn't do it. We're going to them to learn about what they protect and then healing that and then liberating them from the need for it, mm. which, again, so many other systems are trying to get these things to change, not knowing, like you said, the, the addiction will say, you know, if I stop making you high, the next firefighter is suicide. Mm. So I, I literally am keeping you alive. Because if I didn't do this, the suicide part would kick in. Mm. Mm. Yeah, it gives you a whole other perspective on the importance of these parts. They're so wired to uh, survival and protection. I hear from a lot of people that they're they're scared to do what they may say inner child work or healing memories work, what you may call work with the exiles, because they don't want to relive their trauma. And so they're very scared and resistant to doing work with hurt parts because, like I said, they, they just don't want to go back and relive their trauma. Can you shed some light on how we do this work without reliving our trauma? Yeah, just the way you did, where you, you weren't overwhelmed by anything. You know, you saw what happened. Mm -hmm. So some of the fear of reliving it comes from therapies that say you've got to fully re-experience what happened, you know, and uh, and uh, express it totally. And I don't find that to be true at all. What you do need to do is get what the part needs you to get about how bad it was. And you stay there and you witness it. Mm -hmm. And that's a big difference mm -hmm. from, from letting it totally flood you and overwhelm you. Mm -hmm. So uh, a lot of the fear of reliving the trauma comes from, you know, Realistically, if if you, Christine, hadn't been there uh, asking the part to show what, what happened and we had just gotten that, that tween age girl to come forward with all of her feelings, it would have been a very different experience and it would have been a, a, a lot more intense and probably aversive experience. So having you in self with a lot of compassion for her as she lets you know what happened mm. in her way without overwhelming you is what we're, we're about. It's not reliving in that sense. Right. So it's really about sharing with the present day part of us, the self part of us, this is what's happening. This is what I'm feeling and this is what I need. And because, you know, when trauma was happening to us as kids, we didn't have a compassionate, understanding, loving presence that was really helping us through it. That's why it registered as trauma and these parts became exiles. So if I'm hearing you correctly, it's not the reliving, it's it's seeing it. It's being willing so, to see it and witness, That's yeah, right. witness, and yeah. give that child what they needed at the time from you, exactly. from the self that they didn't exactly. get. Yeah. That's exactly right. And, you know, another objection you'll always hear is uh, – you can't change the past. What happened, happened. Just let it go. Well, it turns out in this inner world, you literally can change the past mm -hmm. because now that little girl's experience will be very different. Her experience will be that she did stand up to those kids 
and she's now with you. Mm-hmm. And, and in that sense, you you just did change the past. Mm, I love that. You can change the past and time does not heal all wounds. <laughs> Doing no. this kind of work does. <laughs> no, yeah. Exactly. So, so back to the example with me for a moment, because I think a lot of people are probably curious. So if my inner critic comes up, right, let's say that I hang up from this interview with you and I think, oh, I should have asked him this or I sounded stupid here or whatever. Those are typical things my inner critic would do. What, what do I do in those moments if I feel it comes back around? Yeah, so now you you know it what it's about. You know it's just trying to protect. And you can just remind it it doesn't have to do that anymore because you healed that little girl. Mm. Now, it, it might be trying to protect other parts of you that we didn't get to today. Mm. And so, mm. you know, it might be reluctant to totally stop doing what it's been doing. And that's fine. Then you just learn about those parts and you can do the same thing with them. And you do that. See, IFS becomes a kind of life practice. Yes. So, you know, every day you just check in. I When I wake up, how, how are my different parts doing? Do they need anything from me? Uh, remember, you can trust me to handle things. You guys don't have to jump into these extreme roles. And through the day, I'm just noticing, like you said, if I if I noticed a critic come up, what's going on? It's a what I call a trailhead. It's, it's, you follow that to find the exile it protects and, and do some work with that. So all this stuff becomes material for you to grow. Mm. Well, and I think one of the, the key things for me as I've been doing parts work myself is not fighting the part. Like when it comes in, not wrestling with it, not being annoyed by it, not judging myself for having this critic or having this worry work, but actually greeting it and being like, oh, hi. And I, I like to name my parts. Uh-huh. Okay. You're here. I accept you. Like I, I know your role and I, I just talk to it. And I have yeah. found that so liberating and it gives me sense such a sense of empowerment. And I, I don't feel like it, it's, you know, I'm just on a horse galloping away with no control. It feels like, okay, I know what this part is. I know it's positive intention. I'm going to accept it. I'm going to welcome it. I'm going to be curious. And I'm just going to talk to it till I, till I don't feel like it has such a grip on me. And that has been super helpful. Yeah. And, and also one of the goals is for it to trust you as a leader, mm. both in the inner world and the outer world. So most of these parts are what in family therapy we used to call parentified children. It's like they're kids who got forced to take over a family system that they they didn't weren't equipped to do, but they don't trust the leadership. Yeah. But gradually now they're coming to trust that they don't have to do it because you're there and you can run the you can run the inner world and the outer world, so they can relax and be who they're more designed to be, which in in your critic's case is to be a good coach for you. Right. Well, we talked about these parts that formed, you know, to protect exiles and that often were formed at a young age and have positive intentions, but are kind of ill-equipped in the way they execute. Do we have parts that are just naturally, I don't want to say good or positive because that's not it, but just just that we don't need to change that are naturally just part of who we are and helping us? And can we call those forward more often? Yes. Uh, Although I, I want to, be careful with the word formed, because mm. for me, the the part's role was formed gotcha. when those traumas happened, but the part preexisted the role. 
and was in its naturally valuable state until the trauma. So, uh, and, and so there are still lots of parts of you that never had to leave their naturally valuable states and take on these extreme roles. And those parts are in there just doing their jobs. They're, they're helping in different ways. <clears throat> and most of the time we don't notice them because they're not causing us a problem. But it is possible to, you know, bring some of them in closer and, and negotiate that too. Mm, by just getting to know, you know, the different parts and the different aspects of us. Like I, I'm sure that before my inner critic got the role that it did, well, let me ask you this. What would be the naturally um, occurring role of the inner critic before trauma impacts it? You know, a lot of these parts are just there to kind of give you advice in life mm -hmm. or, you know, be discerning or the, many of them become like inner advisors, like coaches. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, some of them don't want anything to do, <laughs> to yeah. do with running things. They just want to be inner children, too. They're, they're really young and overpromoted. And some of them just want to chill. You know, they just want to help you relax. Yeah. So you, you can't really predict in advance necessarily, but it's always positive. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love that. And can people do this work on their own or is it when you're getting started, is it more useful to get an IFS trained therapist? People can do a certain amount on their own. Most people, some people can do an incredible amount on their own. And we're actually working to, to bring it to the public. Uh, I'm working on a book to do that now. And this book that uh, just came out, it, it has a lot of exercises in it to mm -hmm. help the book to Sounds True called No Bad Parts. has exercises <clears throat> that are helpful to people, uh, particularly in getting to know their protectors, which would be similar to what we did today. Yes. Yes, I think I was just working with a client earlier on her protector, you know, she she thought that her heart was just closed, and it's and when she was able to separate out and really see, oh wait, this isn't this is actually a protector part that she was trying to get rid of, you know. And everybody's yeah. like, get out of your head, get into your heart, open your heart. It's like that's all fine and well, and she had a lot of yeah. awareness about it, but until she was able to see the part, the protector part, and the child it was protecting then she was actually able to have gratitude for her because it's uh, right. for me when I've done parts work and I've really seen like, Oh my gosh, you have done so well. <laughs> you have really taken this job seriously. And although I've interpreted it as holding me back or something that was frustrating to me, I see now you had such a strong, positive intention. You were just, That's you just took on this role when I was really young and was doing the best I could to come up with a way to survive, basically. Yeah, what's really interesting, we didn't do it today with your part, but most of the time, if I were to have you ask that critic how old it thought you were, mm -hmm. you'd, get, you'd get a single-digit answer or, you know, maybe 12. But most of them really think you're still a kid yep. and they still need to do this. Yeah. And you're still stuck back in that scene. And that makes so much sense to me because I know for me and so many people listening, something will happen and I'll be like, I'm a grown woman. Why am I so scared of this? And or, I'm a grown woman. Why can't I do this? And what I have to realize is, oh, wait, yes, I may be, but there's a part right now that's eight that's protecting that's right. a triggered part of me right exactly. now. Exactly. 
And it's, yeah. It's very moving for me how deeply you get this. I'm really, <laughs> really glad we're doing this. Well, it's very moving for me to, to be talking to you because I think this work is just, it's so important. And especially as we live in a time of quick fix, personal help, personal development that I think has right. left a lot of people really hopeless in a lot of ways and then feeling bad that they're not getting it right when it comes to personal exactly. development. <laughs> exactly right. Yeah, It's like, okay, wow, we need to slow down. We need to process for this. We need to understand how our psyche works and internal family systems just make sense to me because I know that especially being a coach and working in psychology since 2004, every problem that someone has, there's a route to childhood, every right. single one. Every single one. So, of course, in order to survive childhood, we had to form these protective parts that aren't just going to naturally go away just because, you know, we may be 35 and married and out of the abusive home. There's still an exile in there who's like waiting for something bad to happen again. And so that sure. protector part like needs to be there until we do this work. So it just makes so it's simple yet complex, uh, but it just yeah. makes so much sense to me. So thank you again. Well, it's been my treat. I'm really, really enjoyed this talk and getting to know you and your parts. <laughs> me too. Me too. And my inner critic is pretty cool with what we did today. So that's great. It's actually like, good job, Christine, for, for being vulnerable. Coach. Well, and, and, I, and I also feel, even though this is the first time we talk, I know you and you, I know your work. So there's a safety there, which, which helps. Yeah. Richard, if people want to know more, if they want to get your book, connect with an IFS therapist, can you direct people to where they can dive more into parts work? Our website is ifs-institute.com, and there's a directory of therapists on it and uh, a lot of other kind of materials for people to get started. And then the, the book is, again, called No Bad Parts. And it's published by Sounds True. And it just came out about two weeks ago. Awesome. I'm going to be grabbing that. Yeah, everybody, I would encourage you to go to the website. There's lots of resources there. Richard's done a lot of podcasts and, and he's on YouTube as well if you want to hear more demos and, and watch more. Um, but I know, I know so many of you are going to resonate with this and it's going to explain a lot. And hopefully... In, in hearing us talk today and hearing um, Richard work with my parts, you have a little bit more compassion with your with your own parts. And just as we wrap up here, do you mind, Richard, just saying uh, one more time the qualities of the self so people can really grasp those qualities so they can access that part of them a little bit more? Yeah. So I call it the eight C's of self-leadership. So oddly enough, when I was trying to categorize or, or catalog the qualities that would show up and the person who would show up and knew how to heal. Uh, they all began with the letter C. So we have, as I mentioned, curiosity and calm and confidence and compassion and clarity, creativity, connectedness. And I always forget one. Um, Did you say, you said courage? Courage, courage, <laughs> courage. courage yeah. yeah. So those are what we call the eight C's of self-leadership. Mm, I love that. Notice everyone, he's not saying analytical, judgmental, impatient, no, critical, annoyed, no. <laughs> critical. And often that's how we do self-work. We go in with the, I don't like this, I'm going to fix it. And good luck getting to an exile if that's if that's the place we're in, right? We have to totally be agree. in that self. And we all have that no matter how much trauma we have. 
That's so, right. oh, this has been great. Thank you so much. Well, thank you, Christine. Really, really good to know you. Likewise. <laughs>